Well, good morning. I hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm the pastor, and uh, welcome to Hilton Head Island Community Church. Um, you guys are all looking very bright and cheery and alive, and it's all because we got an extra hour of sleep last night, right? All right. Nobody was late or anything. So anyway, uh, good stuff. Um, I'm excited that we are kicking off a brand new series here this morning uh, that we are calling 24-7. And uh, it's a series on the subject of worship. And uh, we're diving into uh, this uh, series. And over the course of these next four weeks, um, we're going to be discussing really what worship is. Kind of we'll establish some of that today. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at what it means to have a lifestyle of worship. We're going to be talking about what gratitude and thanksgiving have to do with worship. And um, then uh, we'll talk about what it means to worship and our, the fact that our uh, worship should be focused entirely on the glory of God. Now, to start off this morning, I want you all to do something for me. Um, you received those notes when you came in today, and if you have a pen or a crayon or marker or something, I'm going to ask you to get those out. You know, some of you are into the uh, iPad thing and iPhone, and like I said a few weeks ago, Palm Pilots, if you want to use your stylus. On your Palm Pilot, you can do that this morning. Anyway, just something to write something down with, get that out. And I, wanna, I want you to answer a, a, a question this morning that I want to come back to at different points in time um, during today. And, and the question is this, what is the primary focus of your thoughts, your passions, your emotions, and your actions? Now, <laughs> you're like, Wow, okay, how can I do that in one like word or sentence? I don't want you to think too, too deeply about this. I just want you to answer. You know, what is the thing that takes up your thoughts, your emotions, your passions, and your actions? Kind of the sum of all of who you are. One word, one sentence, one statement, and this is just you and yourself, okay? No looking on anybody else's paper here this morning, okay? This is just you and God uh, talking about what is the focus of your life, okay? Um, you know, ladies, wives, don't nudge your husband and tell him what he needs to write down. Just write down, don't think, just write down what you think. And no, as Cody says, no Jesus jukes here, okay? No, like, God is the focus. Like, don't give the Sunday school answer. I know it's church. I know there's the right answer. Just give the answer. If it is God, great. Put God down. But just write down what the focus is of your thoughts, your passions, your emotions, and your actions. Now, okay, I realize that asking that question and you answering that question, you and God, this isn't a judge of where you are spiritually. This isn't a judge of testing your knowledge on what worship is about, but I wanted to begin today by getting you thinking about what you think about worship. What do you think about worship? What are some things in your life that maybe you have a focus on? And what's the general kind of course of action of your thoughts, your passions, your emotions and your actions. Now, I want to begin this morning with that, but I also want to begin with a statement that comes from a confession of faith in, in, the, um, in Christendom, and it's from the Westminster Confession of Faith, and it comes from the Shorter Catechism, and that may mean nothing to some of you. Um, to some of you, it may mean everything. If you grew up in a Reformed church or if you grew up in a Presbyterian church like I did, um, you might have gone to catechism classes and you might have learned some of these things. And what this is, is it's just a confession of faith. 
but it begins with a, a question and answer, and there are about 107 in the Westminster Confession of Faith, about 107 questions and answer that basically go through and give a, a theological um, uh, overview of what the Bible says, and it's a great way to learn theology. Catechism or uh, uh, confessions are a great way to learn it. But the Westminster Confession, Westminster Confession of Faith, back from the 1600s, the very first question it asks drives at our series, and it's this. What is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? And basically what that means is why are we here on earth? Why do we exist? What are we here for? And the Westminster Confession of Faith answers that question. And it also, if you look at the long version, it gives you biblical uh, reasons for this. The answer is, is that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To glorify God and enjoy him, say that last word with me, forever. Our chief end, our purpose for being is to glorify God and to enjoy. Don't you love that, by the way, that word enjoy? Like to enjoy God forever. That's it. What's my purpose on earth? It's to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's what the Bible says if you take a close look, and we're going to take a look at some of these verses today, at what our purpose is. It's to glorify God and enjoy him. Say it with me. Forever. That's it. I mean, we've been grappling with this question for centuries, haven't we? What's the purpose of man? Why do I exist? Why did God put me here on earth? That's it. I think it very much sums up, and you'll very rarely find us using some of these uh, confessions uh, here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, but I think that sums up best what is the purpose of life and why we exist, and it also answers the question, what are we supposed to do with our time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year? It's to glorify God and to worship Him forever, enjoy Him forever. That's our purpose. There we just kind of summed up what the purpose of life is. Glorifying God and enjoying him forever ought to be what we do and what we accomplish with our life. Now, how we do that, we're all going to be different. How we do that, the, the Bible gives us specific ways on how we can do that. We're going to take a look at that today. In fact, let's talk for a moment about this word, worship. We get this word from an old English word, that is kind of a combination of different things, but it's worship. And it means literally ascribing worth or high value to something. Now, I want, it, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind. Ascribing high value or worth, ascribing worth or high value to something. That's what worship means. So when you say, man, I worship that thing. I worship, ladies, that dress. Oh, man, that is awesome. That is a great dress. Guys, I worship that football team, okay? I got my Atlanta Falcons, my 7-0 undefeated Atlanta Falcons. Sometimes, yeah, it goes into borderline of I worship the team. How many of you watched college football yesterday? Come on, seriously. How many of you watched? There we go. Like twice as many hands came up the second time. We, we worship in the South our football team, don't we? My wife worships LSU. <laughs> I'm in trouble for that one. Uh, anyway, I was pulling for him last night with her. But we worship a lot of different things, don't we? There's a lot of things in society, in life, in just 
being a person that vies for our worship, for our ability to give worth or high value to something. Now, I want to also begin, we kind of had the foundational element of asking the question, what is our thoughts, what are our passions, what are our emotions, and what are our actions focused upon? What's the primary focus of that? We talked about the fact that worship literally means um, giving God glory and enjoying him forever. But I also want to begin with some myths or maybe some misconceptions might be a better way to describe it. Some misconceptions about worship. Because I think when I say the word worship, there's a lot of things in the Christian community that come to mind, and, the, and I want to kind of debunk or uh, uh, dissuade you of any notion that these things are in and of themselves worship. And the first one is music. Music. Worship is not music. I know that we sing and we worship and we give praise and we do that through worship. David did it in the Old Testament. Um, many of the, the church leaders in the New Testament talk, talks about the, in Acts 2, 42 through 47, how they sang worship songs with each other. That is worshiping, but music in and of itself, singing a song in and of itself is not necessarily worship. And I'll talk about that at the end, and Cynthia will uh, talk a little bit about that next week. Worship is not music. It's a result of, music is a result of true worship. Secondly, worship is not a feeling. Some of you think that worship is some kind of feeling that you might get. It's not a feeling. It's, it's, uh, you, you sometimes have feelings when you worship, when you sing praise to God, when you give uh, praise to God some other way, but it is not a feeling. And like that, the third thing is, is that worship is not an emotion. Sometimes we equate worship with those three things just naturally, either music, either a, a feeling, or an emotion. And, and I want to tell you that sometimes you'll have those things. There are times when we worship and we give God glory here with songs. Sometimes you all do it in your car while you're listening to the radio station completely out of tune. And if you ask anybody, they're like, yeah, Todd's right. That is not worship. Uh, but you're, you're giving glory to God in your songs. That's part of worship, but in and of itself is not worship. And those feelings, those emotions that we may think are worship are not in and of themselves worship. You see, at the centerpiece of this whole idea, this whole word of worship, is giving God glory and enjoying Him forever. Forever. That's the centerpiece. So what are we going to do today? Well, today I want to give you some foundational principles of, of what worship is and what worship is not. And we're going to take a look at four different principles, among many others, but I just wanted to draw four out today that are biblical principles. They're based right out of Scripture that describes what true biblical worship is. And so we're going to be taking a look at those four different principles today. Um, next week, you're going to hear, um, this is going to be a bit of a surprise and, and different for some of you, but you, you're going to hear from Cynthia. My wife is going to be teaching, and I'm excited um, about that because she is going to be teaching on what it means to have a lifestyle of worship. And in that, she's going to share her testimony, which I'm very excited for you to hear. The third week, I'm going to be talking about what it means to have gratitude and thanksgiving in worship. And then the last week, our student pastor is going to come up, and he's going to tell us that everything that Cynthia and I mentioned the previous three weeks is wrong, and he's going to give us the real deal on worship. Okay, Cody? So there you go, all right? And he's going to tell us that worship is truly uh, glorifying God. And uh, so we're excited. We've been writing this together as a team, and so we're very excited about this. 
Take a look at your notes this morning. Let's understand what God's word says about true biblical worship. The first thing is this, and this is foundational to understanding what worship is all about. And it's the fact that we were created to worship. We were created to worship God. We were created to worship God forever. And we'll talk about that forever in a minute. This is the most important foundational aspect of understanding worship because it's central to the whole idea of lifestyle worship, which is going to be a theme. It is a theme through our whole series. It's called 24-7 for a reason because the biblical worship means that we live our lives 24-7 worshiping and glorifying God. And so it's important to begin with the fact that we are created to worship. We are created to worship. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. All the way back at the beginning of creation, God says this. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them, man, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own, what's that last word? Image. God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We were created in the image of God Almighty. So if you're in here today and you have just heard the opposite from someone who doesn't like you so much, remember Genesis that you were created in God's image. Students, if you're here today and you're being bullied and pushed around and made fun of, remember that you were created in the image of the almighty God. Don't ever forget that. Isn't that awesome? Don't ever forget that. Go back to Genesis when you're going through times when you're being pushed and pressed by your enemies and those people that don't want you to succeed and realize that you're created in God's image. What does that have to do with worship? Well, here's the deal. We were created in the image of God. We were created like him. He wanted a relationship with us. And because of that, because we were created in his image, we have a responsibility to live our lives reflecting who he is. That is worship. We were created to to live a life that is worth, go back to that original definition, giving worth or giving honor to God. We We have a responsibility to live our lives in such a way that gives worth to his image. He's the almighty God, the one who spun the universe into its place. The one who knows every grain of of sand on Hilton Head Island Beach. The one that we look out and we see the beauty of the place we live in and we go, oh man, that creator is awesome. He created you, each one of you, in his image. And because of that, we have a responsibility to give him worth, to give him glory with our lives. We were created in the image of God. But I want you to take a look at the second thing here. David sums it up in Psalm uh, 14, uh, excuse me, 145, verses 1 through, 1 through 3. Listen to this. Take a look at this. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day, he says, I will bless you and I will praise your name. And he says it again, forever 
and ever. Verse 3, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. The God that made you, that created you, he is to be worshipped forever and ever. We were created in the image of God. Our lives ought to reflect that. Our lives ought to give glory and honor and worth to the fact that we were created in God's image. So we ought to give worth and glory to him. But the Bible says, David says, the psalmist says that we are going to be doing this forever. So here's my challenge to you this morning is if you haven't been living your life, giving God glory, giving him honor, giving him worth, start now. Because if you're a Christ follower in here, guess what? You have an eternity ahead of you that you're going to be praising God and giving him glory. Yeah, one day our bodies will decay and die and they'll put us in a grave somewhere. But our souls will live on. And if those of you who are in here today, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're going to be giving God glory forever in a different realm. So start now. Make it last forever. Begin now giving God glory with your life. um, A.W. Tozer is one of my favorite authors, and I've been reading a, a book that he wrote called Whatever Happened to Worship in kind of preparation for our series and um, he, he, it's a short book. I, I highly recommend it. It's a fantastic book. Very easy, uh, simple, quick read. And uh, he has a whole chapter devoted to this idea uh, of the fact that we were created in the image of God. And he sums it up like this. And I love this illustration. I love what he says about it. And I want to read it to you this morning. In Europe, many generations ago, the old saint of God, Brother Lawrence, was on his deathbed, rapidly losing his physical strength he witnessed to those who gathered around him. Brother Lawrence said, I'm not dying. I'm just doing what I've been doing for the past 40 years and doing what I expect to be doing for all of eternity. What's that? Someone asked him. He quickly replied, I am worshiping the God I love. On his deathbed. And Tozer goes on to say this. Worshiping God, it was primary for Brother Lawrence. He was also dying, but that was secondary. He knew why he had been born into this world, and he knew why he had been born again. Yeah, Brother Lawrence is still worshiping God. He died, and they buried his body somewhere, but he was a living soul created in the image of God. So he's still worshiping God with all the saints around the throne of God. Tozer says, sad, sad indeed are the cries of so many today who have never discovered why they were born. Church, we were created to worship God. And if you're in here today and you don't have a relationship with God, or if you're here and you're just trying it out, you want to see what this whole Christianity thing is about, and maybe you're a skeptic, well, the first step for you in worshiping God forever is accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that at the end of our message this morning. Secondly, the second principle that I want to draw out today is worshiping is us exalting God not us exalting us. Worshiping, some of you are like, oh man, I didn't want him to go there. But anyway, worshiping is us exalting God, not us exalting us. Our natural inclination as humans is to give worth or give high value to something else, isn't it? We just talked about sports teams. We just talked about different things. But in, in 
humanity, we have the tenets, we have the natural inclination to give worth to other things or other people or, or, or other uh, philosophies. And our natural inclination is to do that. I mean, there's a lot of things that we give honor and worth to. We give it to money, don't we? We give honor and worth to money. I, I know I've struggled with that. Giving honor and worth to something that I can purchase. We give honor and worth to our careers. Oh, man, it's tough in this economy. Sometimes you have to give a little honor or worth to your career to make it happen. Some of you are here today, and you give honor and worth. You give your whole heart to who you are as a businessman or businesswoman. Students, you give honor and worth to how your friends view you. We give honor and worth to so many different things, to sports, to teams, to athletics, parents. Sometimes you're consumed by giving honor and worth to the kids that captivate every moment of your time. And I want to challenge you to rethink that, that it's not all about them. It's not. It's about you giving honor and worth to God. You know, there's other things that we give honor and worth to. Things that aren't so pleasant. Sometimes we give honor and worth to that which is ominous in our lives. Fear, anxiety, worry, depression. Man, some of those things are tough. And they invade our lives. And we give so much focus to them. And yeah, we have to get over it. And we need help to get over it. And we've talked about that before. But sometimes our whole lives are consumed by those things. And we give honor and we give worth to those things that just overtake us. We give honor and worth to so many different things. And the Bible's very clear that God and God alone is the one that we should give honor and worth to. David says it this way, Psalm 148, verse 13. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. You know, I, I really kind of can summarize this whole idea of giving honor to other things or to God um, this way. We either give honor to him or we give it to ourselves. That's the bottom line. We either give honor to, to God, of the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, the one that sent Jesus Christ to save us from our sins, or we give honor to ourselves. Because all those things we just mentioned, all those things besides those things that we need help getting over, some of those things that we pursue, oh man, all that is is just giving honor to ourselves. It's pleasing to ourselves. And so we have a choice. We either give honor to God or we give honor to ourselves. And God alone ought to be the focus of our worship. It's him and him alone. There's a third principle I want to focus on this morning. It's this. Worship is a response to God revealing himself to man. Worship is a response to God revealing himself to man. Do you realize that the God of the universe, not only did he create you in his image, not only did, did he, he make you for interaction with him, but he's the one that initiated himself in the God-man relationship. He's the one that started the process of salvation by sending Jesus, his son, to redeem mankind. God revealed himself to mankind, and worship is simply a response to that. It is simply a response to that. The God of the universe reached down into humanity, and we respond to him 
with worship. I want to illustrate that point by drawing your attention to Genesis 35. This is an amazing story, and some of you have heard this story before, but I want to kind of give it maybe a different twist or a different conclusion this morning. It's from Genesis 35, and God reveals himself in physical and audible form to Jacob. Now, I realize he doesn't do that today. Like, you know, if you saw God yesterday and he actually talked to you in real audible form, please come and talk to me afterwards. But he, he doesn't do that today, but he meets with us in unique and different ways than he did in the Old Testament. But this example of God meeting with Jacob, we can learn something about our response to God from. Take a look. God said to him, Jacob, I'm God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him, talking about Jacob, in the place where he had spoken with him. And Jacob, look at verse 14. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it. So Jacob called the place where God had spoken with him Bethel. You see, God reached down, and he spoke with Jacob. And as a result, what did Jacob do? He built a memorial for God. He built a place where he could remember the fact that God reached down to him. And in doing so, he gave God worth. He gave God honor. And he gave God glory. And he called it Bethel. Bethel means the place of God or the house of God. And so he gave honor to God at the place where he spoke to him. You know what we can do? We can give our lives as a memorial to God. That's how we today can respond to him, by giving our whole lives 24-7 from the inside, where, where we are on the inside, as an expression to God of his honor and his glory. And we do that, we do that by making our lives be something that gives God glory on, and, and honor 24-7. Just like Jacob built a memorial to God, we can build our lives as a memorial to him. Lastly, the fourth point this morning I want to make is worship is an outward expression of an inward faith. Worship is an outward expression of an inward faith. You see, worship only becomes something that we do, and we do a lot of worship here, and some of you do it in your cars or at home and that sort of thing, but we only do worship through those things I mentioned at the beginning, through music and through feeling and emotion and through speaking words to God. We only do that, I want you to capture this, when our faith is anchored deep within us. It doesn't happen the other way around. Some of you have wondered when you've observed people worshiping, man, I wonder if it's phony. I wonder if all that is just a, going through the motions. Some of you may be in here today and you kind of do go through the motions. The way that you get back to center is to make sure that your faith is anchored deep inside of you because then your outward expression of that inner faith is something that's authentic and real and true. And it's a true expression of what's going on on the inside. It has to happen that way. Take a look at what Colossians 3, 15 and 16. We're going to be coming back to this verse here in a few weeks. Colossians 3, 15 through 16. Paul says this, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called into one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching 
and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. All of those things, teaching and admonishing others and singing songs, only came, Paul says, once the word of Christ dwelt in our lives richly. You see, worship is an inside-out thing. It's what goes on here in our hearts becomes an expression of our glory and our worth that we give to God. Obviously, we can't live life going around in some kind of trance-like state. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. But you know what? Our lives, 24-7, are either a reflection of the worth that God deserves or they're not. And we have a choice. We have a choice to make those things that we focus on, those thoughts, those passions, those emotions and actions, be focused on God. Sometimes we just miss it. Sometimes we just miss it because we're not focused on what God has done for us and who he is. Deeply immersed in a meditation during a church service, the famous Italian poet Dante failed to kneel at the appropriate moment. His enemies hurried to the bishop and demanded that Dante be punished for his sacrilege. Dante defended himself by saying, if those who accused me had had their eyes and mind on God as I had, they too would have failed to notice events around them, and they most certainly would not have noticed what I was doing. (laughs) Are your eyes and your heart and your mind focused on God? Or are they focused on other things? Are your thoughts and your passions and your emotions and your actions focused on things that fulfill something in you? Or are they focused on the one who gave you eternal life? The one that created you in his image. In response to our message today and actually over these next four weeks, we've got our cross station open over these next four weeks. And I want to encourage you. If you need to center yourself around the God of creation, the God of the universe, if you've kind of strayed and, man, some, some things are pulling at you that you're giving worth and high value to, if they're pulling you away from that God-centered, God-focused, worshipful life, I want to challenge you to, to go sit over here. You can even stay after the service is over for a few minutes. You can come in here and just get focused on the cross because when we focus our, our, our eyes and our mind and ourselves on what God did on the cross through sending his son Jesus. Man, that gets us back to a place of really worshiping the way that God intended us to worship, the way that God made us to worship, and the way that he is due in worship. Will you pray with me this morning? Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for us. And God, I pray that you would just help us, those who are here today who are Christ followers, help us to understand that we were made to worship you, that we should not be worshiping anything else or anyone else other than you, and when we do, we worship ourselves. God, I pray that you would help us be mindful of the fact of all that you did for us, and that you, the God of creation, reached down to humanity And you wanted to have a relationship with us. And I pray that we would worship you 
from the inside out, that it would be an authentic expression. Our lives, our songs, the words that we speak, the actions that we have, the emotions that we have, the passions that we have. I pray that they all would be an accurate reflection of what's going on on the inside of us. God, help us to have that God-centered life so that we then can worship, as your word says, in spirit and in truth. And God, I pray for those who may be in here today and they've never asked you to be their savior. Father God, I pray that today is their day of salvation. And that their first step in being people who worship, God, I pray that their first step is today that they accept you as their savior. If you're in here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your savior and you want to do that today, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And I'm just going to ask you to pray that silently wherever you are. It's not about the words as much as it is about the meaning in your heart, whether or not you truly mean these words. And so if you're in here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to do that right now. You can pray along with me. It's a prayer that goes like this. God, thank you for making me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Today I confess of my sins and I believe in you, Jesus, to be my Savior. Help me to turn from my old way of living and to live for you. Just in the quietness of this place with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer along with me, just raise your hand. Look up at me and raise your hand. To my left, anyone here over here to my left? The center sections. Anyone pray that prayer this morning? And Father God, I pray that you would give us the strength, the ability, and the courage to be people who worship you with authenticity. God, wherever we need to be changed, I pray that you would pierce our hearts and change our lives so that we really can give you worth, that we can give you honor, and that we can give you glory. And I pray, Father God, that that would begin deep within our soul and that it would reach out as an expression of who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name I pray.